Hi, welcome to our podcast. To learn more about Liverpool One Church, join us live, give financially and to get involved, head to liverpoolonechurch.com. We believe God wants to do great things in and through your life today. Enjoy this message. Lights, camera, action. Get ready, get ready, get ready. The people are coming. Get the chair set. Make sure the room is clean. Test the sound. Fix the mics. Create the moment. Write the message. Get the shot. Upload the footage. Make sure the people are talking about the next big event. But wait. Slow down. Rewind. What am I doing again? Why am I here? Why am I so focused on this, the gathering, the church? Because who is this all about? It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about him. It's always been about him. Just him. Just Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. The one who stood in the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego so that the flame would never harm them. The one who stood by me when I was at death's door. When I was in the storm, when my heart was broken and I didn't know when and where I would see my joy again. When my feet were sinking in sand so deep that I gave up myself, there was no one else but him. In the midst of it all, it was just Jesus. So forget about the lights, the chairs, the aesthetic in the room and remember why we're here. Not for anyone else. We're here for him. We're here because of him. Just him. Just Jesus. Well, hey, Liverpool One Church. It really is fantastic to see you all in church today and welcome if it's your first time with us. We're so glad to have you here with us checking out church. And um, hey, who's loving our current series, Just Jesus, so far? Like, is that just me? I'm absolutely loving this current series. And let me just catch you up, maybe if it is, maybe your first time with us or your first couple of times with us. Let me just catch you up on where we're at. So at the beginning of this year, we've basically been talking all about different aspects of Jesus. We've talked about who he is and what he's like and what he does and what he's done for everyone. And we've talked about all different aspects of him because if you didn't know, He's the reason for everything that goes on here in the life of the church. He's the reason for everything we do. He's the cornerstone of everything we're building here. And so we couldn't think of a better way to start 2022 than with a series all about the character and the nature and the man of Jesus. We've talked about how if we were ever asked the question, would we know how to describe him? Like, if someone says to you, describe Jesus, and we've talked about how it might even be easier if he had a Facebook profile or an Instagram profile that you could just go, there it is, check it out, read it all there. We talk about how that might be easier. And you've probably heard us talk from this very platform before on a number of occasions that back in the day, a good number of years ago, there was a small group of us who started this church And we used to gather in the living room and our prayer was simply something like this. It was like, God, if it's at all possible, as as imperfect as we are, as flawed as we are as people, would you somehow make it possible that we could lift high the name of Jesus and change lives for Christ just one life at a time here in the magnificent city of Liverpool? And that was just a few of us, a good number of years ago. And today through our efforts and through God's grace, we've built Liverpool One Church and you're all here. And we still go every week after lifting high the name of Jesus and changing lives for Christ one life at a time because we are on mission. This really is one of those series in the life of the church, which is like key. There's certain series every year that we do and this is key 
It's like foundational to who we are. This is what we believe. It's the bedrock that we build everything on. So I think you're here on a great Sunday. And in the same way that God was willing to use 12 disciples back in Bible times to spread the good news of the gospel throughout the whole globe, in the same way he was willing to use 12 ordinary individual people to start this church, in that same way, I believe he wants to use you too. He wants to use every single one of us. But if we don't fully understand Jesus, then we're going to struggle personally just to follow his example. We're going to struggle personally. If we don't understand him, we're not just going to struggle personally, though. We're also going to struggle to lead other people to him as well. Now, if I was to ask you all what this is, I think there'd be a number of different answers. Some of you might say, Dave, that's clearly your first guitar. And you'd be wrong. Some of you might say, that's our worship leader's Josh Scott's guitar. And you'd be a little closer to the truth. But some of you might say, it's a children's toy. Some of you would say, well, that's clearly just like a cheap bit of something else. Something, that's, a, that's a full-size guitar for a very, very small person. Some of you, very few of you, would probably say, it's a ukulele. Well, this was a Christmas present that was given to our two-year-old daughter this year for, uh, for Christmas. And um, because she's two, she doesn't really speak that well. She clearly can't play the guitar at all. So over the Christmas holidays, she just took to kind of carrying it around and picking it up by the strings and messing with the things on the end. And then after a few days, when it was just left under the Christmas tree, by all accounts not being used very much, and uh, she would rather go and have a disco to the Moana soundtrack than play the guitar, I decided that one evening when I was just watching some TV, my eyes settled on the ukulele. And I thought, I wonder if as a novice musician, as someone who doesn't play the guitar and doesn't play the keyboard, and really doesn't play any musical instruments that well. Some, some time ago, I used to muddle my way through some drums, but I don't really play music. So my eyes settled on the ukulele, and I decided that I would see if I could develop myself a new Christmas skill. So my skill started in the same way that every new skill starts in 2022, YouTube. So I reached for my phone, and it didn't take me long before I found an online tutorial course and uh, they helped me to get it in tune. They helped me to um, find out, you know, that this is how you tune a ukulele. You pick these notes and this is what you do. You download this little tuner app. So I got the app and I was, I was all in there. And, I got, and then I started to figure out some chords to the ukulele. And it started to sound like a bit of a song. When I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary said to me, whisper words of wisdom, let it be. When I find myself in times of... All together now, let it be, let it be, let it be, let it be. Whisper words of wisdom, let it be. So I decided I was going to try and get myself a new Christmas skill. And it turns out I'm quite the talented ukulele player. But when I sent a video of myself 
singing and playing the ukulele to Josh and asked for a position in the band, he said to me, have you thought of volunteering on Impact? Which I thought was a little bit harsh. I, I thought, you won't crush my dreams. I'm going to bring my skill to the platform and that is all. Now at some point, some, at this point now, some of you will be thinking, like, what an absolute load of rubbish. Some of you are going to be thinking, hmm, okay. The rest of you are just thinking like, what is even happening? Like I've come to church and there's some guy busking up on this, like, should I throw a, pa- a penny in or something? Like what's going on? But in the same way that if I was to hold up that guitar and ask you what you would describe that as, if I was to ask everybody here and everybody watching at home online to describe Jesus, then I think we'd have a number of different answers. I think we'd all describe him as something different. Because to some of us, he's a friend. To some of us, he's a stranger. To some of us, he's a myth. To some, he's a children's bedtime story. To you, maybe he's the name that you shout out when you're scared or afraid or angry. And to you, he might be less relevant than he is to somebody else who sat next to you. But whatever he is, or whatever he isn't, he's something to all of us. And there's so many people these days right now, debating on whether or not Jesus is even relevant anymore. In this modern world that we live in, with smartphones and smart cars, even smart homes, like there's so many people asking the question, where does he fit into all that still? Does he even have a place in the modern world? Does he even, is he relevant at all in 2022? Because historically, there was a bunch of people 2,000 years ago who thought of Jesus as being that relevant, that they literally left their homes, they left their jobs, they left their lives, they left everything, they put down their whole entire world just to follow him. And they would say that he was so relevant to them because he changed their life. He literally, they had personal encounters with Jesus and he literally changed everything about their life. He was so much more than relevant to these people. They realised that through physical contact and through connection with him and being his friend, they realised that through him, they could have connection to God the Father. They realised it. In fact, not only was Jesus personally, personable, relevant to people, but he was so relevant back in Bible times that his birth literally divided time. We live in 2022 AD, Going back 2,022 years, if you went a bit further, you'd be BC. The man literally divided physical time. He was that relevant. But even though he was so relevant back then, what I want to know and the question I want to ask today is, is Jesus still relevant now? Because if he is, how? Like, like if he is, tell me, tell me how he is and, and does he still matter Does he still fit into life in 2022? And and, and is it possible for you and I and normal everyday people, is it possible for us to maybe get everything we want in this life without his involvement whatsoever? Because I believe that how relevant that you and I believe Jesus is to our lives will give us a clue as to why we're all here at church today. Like, I, I think that some of us will be here because We maybe have relational issues going on, maybe with a partner or a child or a relational issue, and you're thinking that maybe your attendance at church will give you some kind of a clue as to how you can deal better with your relational issue that you have going on. Maybe you just find that you're at peace when you're here, or you're happy when you're here, 
And if there's one thing that we all want in life is to be peaceful and happy in our lives. If you're being honest, maybe some of you are here because it's just a habit. It's just what you do. On a Sunday, I do church and you're just here out of habit. But you're still here for a reason. Maybe some hot guy or hot girl promised you a date if you came to church with them and you're just here because you weighed up the options and it didn't seem that bad for you. You thought, this is a pretty good deal. I've just got to sit through a church service and I get a date. Well, if that's you, I hope it works out for you. Or maybe you're just here off somebody's invite. Maybe someone just invited you to come or sent you the, the website to the church. and You were like, yeah, I'll give it a go. And maybe you're here checking things out today and you don't even know how you come down on all this God stuff and all this Jesus stuff and I want to let you know right up the front, that's cool. If you're here just checking things out, I don't think you could be here on a better Sunday. And we are all so glad that you're here. If that's you today, we've built this thing just for you. But in order to answer the question, how relevant is Jesus? I think we've got to start by asking ourselves who he is. Like, who even is he? What's the character of the guy? Like, I mean, we all know he was born in a stable 2,000 years ago and he was the son of a carpenter. We all know that bit. Some of us might then go on to believe that he is the living son of God who has died on a cross and rose again three days later and he's ascended to heaven and lives at the right-hand side of the Father and that's where he is now. And some of us might believe that too. But what I mean is, what's his character? What's he like? We're going to read a story in just a minute in the Bible and... Um, there's a guy who asks more or less the same kind of thing. He tries to kind of get Jesus to put into words what a person physically has to do to inherit eternal life. Like he wants to actually drill down and, and, and kind of almost catch Jesus out and publicly discredit him. Because what he wants to know is, Jesus, can I like obey my way to this eternal life? Or do you have to be involved? Because if he can prove that you can obey the rules and follow the religious system of the day, if you can do that and get the eternal life that he so longs without Jesus being involved, and if he can get Jesus to say it, well, then Jesus becomes somewhat irrelevant to the process. And in front of the crowd of people who he was addressing back in the day, that wouldn't have been a good thing for Jesus. Now, I guess if I was to ask every one of us here if you've heard this story or not of the Good Samaritan, you'd probably all say, I would guess, it's something that you're vaguely familiar with. It might just be something that you've heard. It, it, it might be something that you're in, at least in some way familiar with. I mean, you can often say, like, if someone's done a good deed for another person, or that, that's kind of a good Samaritan thing to do. And most of us would probably know what that means. So it's a story that we're kind of familiar with. But just as we read the story of the good Samaritan, I don't know about you, but have you ever read that story? And then when you finished, thought like, man, that good Samaritan, he's a, he's a good guy. Like, I should do a little bit more to help some more people. Like, I, I, I could be nicer. I could be a better human. And it almost feels like, man, he's so good. And I drop the ball so often. Ah, oh, you know, is it just me? Like, I just feel like I need to be better. I need to serve more people. I need to help more people. And it almost feels like just one more thing that you've got to add onto your plate. Now I've got to like, love God and I've got to read my Bible and I've got to pray and now I've got to be all like this good Samaritan guy and I've got to do more stuff for more people and I just can't find the hours in the day. And it almost feels like another job that we have to do. But today though, just as we read this story in a minute, I want us to look at it just from a different perspective. From a perspective that 
maybe you haven't heard before, maybe you haven't thought before, maybe you have, but it might just encourage you again today. But just to give you some background, from time to time as Jesus was moving around his locality and his area and he was talking to different people and he'd often get boats and all this to get to different areas, to talk to different townships. He was speaking to crowds of people because the word that he was coming had often gone ahead of him. And this day is no change to that whatsoever. So this one day he's addressing a crowd and this one guy stands up and he addresses him and he asks him. And this guy who stands up to speak to him and question Jesus about some stuff, he's a lawyer, right? This guy's like, a professional religious lawyer. This guy knows and understands the Jewish laws and the Jewish system really, really well. So this guy stands up and he addresses Jesus and he goes, hey, he says in his finest Hebrew, he goes, hey, what have I got to do to inherit eternal life? Like, like what have I physically got to do to get this eternal life that I so want? And Jesus weighs up his options. Who knows it's not a good idea to go toe-to-toe with Jesus. That's never going to end well for you. So Jesus weighs up his options and he goes, well, you're the lawyer. What do you think the law says? Like, you study the thing. Now, this guy's not like Judge Judy or Judge Rinder. He's not in like divorce court. This guy is like a professional religious scholar. Like, he understands the law. He knows the law. He gets it. So Jesus goes, what do you think you've got to do? And he knows the right answer in his head because he knows what the text says. So he goes, okay, you have to, Jesus, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And you have to love your neighbour as yourself. Jesus says, you're right. Do that and you'll have eternal life. And the guy's like, okay. But like, it's almost like it's a bit harsh. It's almost like Jesus is letting this guy go, knowing he's going to fail, knowing that there's no way, is that even possible, like that a guy can fully love God and fully love everyone for the rest of his life, every single day, in season, out of season, day, night, and the rest of it. Can he just love God? Can can he do this? Like this is, he's bound to fail. But Jesus lets him go, knowing full well he's going to fail. But just be, it just almost seems like Jesus is trying to catch him out. But then the guy's got one more question just before he goes. He goes, okay, okay, okay. I get the love of your Lord, your God, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength thing. I get that. That's fine. Okay, that's cool. But can you tell me, like, who's my neighbor? Like, if I stand in my front door, what size of circle, what size of perimeter do I have to put around the vicinity of my front door to know who is my neighbor? Like, so I can correctly get that bit right too. Like, who's my neighbor, Jesus? And watch how Jesus responds. Jesus responds with the story of the Good Samaritan. So Luke 10, verse 30, and it's going to come up on the screen behind me if you haven't got a Bible. So in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he was attacked by robbers. They strip him of his clothes, they beat him, and they went away, leaving him half dead. Now, as we read this, I want to propose to us that we are not the Good Samaritan. I would ask us not to insert ourselves into the character of the Good Samaritan. What I'm going to propose to us today is that we are the guy on the road who's been beaten and set upon by robbers. And also, just notice the order of events. They strip him, 
They beat him and they leave him half dead. First, they strip him. I, I, like, is that just me? Is that weird? Like, when, when have you ever heard of anyone who got set upon by robbers and first they go, right, get your kit off. First thing, they strip him. Was this guy like head to toe in like Armani or Versace? It doesn't say they took all of his possessions. It doesn't say they stole all of his gold or all of his wine or all the stuff he had with him. It just says they strip him and they beat him and they leave him half dead. Verse 31, it carries on. A priest happened to be going down the same road and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Now, usually when we hear this story, you've got somebody at the front of the church going, we're the priest and we're the Levite and we're leaving these people and they're all high and dry and they're like suffering and we need to be doing more and you've got to get them a gift card and you've got to like take them to Asda and get them a sandwich and some of those things are true. But, but Jesus is showing this crowd of people, in particular this lawyer, he's showing them a picture of the Jewish religious system. They will have understood this stuff because the description of the Levite and the priest is describing the Jewish law system and the Jewish people. They will have properly understood this. He's used a priest and a Levite and they didn't help the guy. Jesus is he's making these two characters real. He's saying, your people and your laws, when they saw this guy, they passed him by. He's saying, when, when your rules and your religious system came and they saw this guy, they walked past. They were unable to help him. They were unable to save him. It also says that these first two guys passed him by by chance. Because even though they happened to be there, they didn't make any design to be there. They just happened to be there by chance. He's making the point, like, he's making the point that even though the Jewish religious system and the Jewish people came to the guy and they saw him, they were unable to save him. He's making the point to the crowd, he's making the point to us that the law, the rules, can't save you. God sent Jesus to save you. He's making the point that you can't obey your way there. He's making the point that it's Jesus and he's the only one who can actually save anyone. Cue the good Samaritan. Verse 33. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came to where the man was. That's different to happen to pass by. He came to where the man was. It means he's there on purpose. And it carries on, it says, when he saw him, he had compassion. Now, this doesn't just mean that when this Samaritan guy turned up and he saw him, it doesn't just mean he was like, oh, what a shame. Oh, wish I could help you there, pal. Mm, oh, that's, that's really bad. Like, whoa, hope that works out for you. It doesn't just mean he felt sorry for him and then just carried on. This word compassion is used again in, in, uh, in Luke 15, and we're going to go there in just a minute, just another story that kind of ties these two things together. It's the story of the prodigal son. And we're going to look at just a moment with this son who previously left home and he came home and his father was watching for him. And it says, and when the father saw him from a long way off, he was filled with compassion. This, this, this word compassion. But it means that the father had deep sympathy. It means that he was moved in the depths of his gut. It means he had compassion for the guy. Anyway, back to the, back to the story of the, the uh, Good Samaritan. Verse 34, he went to him and he bandaged his wounds and he poured on oil and wine and then he went and put this man on his own donkey and he begins to walk as he took him to an inn. 
Now, I don't know what happens in your house, but in our house, like if I cut myself or I hurt myself or Elsie does or whatever, and I, I don't, I'm not there shouting to Vicky, hey, babe, bring me the olive oil and a nip in the dining room because I'm going to need a bottle of wine. Like that, that's, not some, that's not a normal conversation that happens in our house. But back in this day, oil was used, the olive oil was used to soothe the wound and reduce the swelling and the wine was used to clean out the wound of any impurities. This good Samaritan, he had these things readily. He was traveling with these things readily. He had bandages readily. He was, he was prepared. It was almost like he came on purpose to heal what was broken. He's traveling around with all this stuff all ready to go. And when he sees this guy, he immediately sets down and he gets down and he gets in the middle of his mess and he starts healing his wounds and making him right. And he almost comes prepared to do it on purpose. Remember in the Bible that this is a picture of Jesus. Jesus said, I didn't come for the healthy because the healthy don't need a doctor. I came for the sick. I came for the ones who are broken. He says in the same way, I didn't come for the righteous who don't do anything wrong. I come for the ones who realize that I sometimes get life wrong. I sometimes don't do it right. He came for us. He came for you and he came for me. I think this is the best picture of Jesus that he could have possibly given to this lawyer. I think it's the best picture that he could possibly do. He comes on purpose and when he finds this guy and he's on the floor and he's beaten and he's left half dead, he immediately gets down on the floor and he starts to fix him and he starts to heal him and he, then he loads him onto his beast as they start walking and they off, off they go to an inn. It's an amazing picture of Jesus. Verse 35, the next day he takes out two denarii and he gives them to the innkeeper. That's like a couple of quid. And he passes them to the innkeeper and he says, look after him, he says. And when I return... I'm going to reimburse you the rest of any expense that you may have. This is the part where Jesus puts his credit card on the counter and he slides across and he goes, he's with me. Any of his expense, any of his debt, anything this guy's got going on, he's with me. I'll cover him. I'll pay for him. I'll, I'll cancel out all of his debts. Anything that this guy needs, you give him and you charge me. You give it to my card. Then... Jesus turns back to our lawyer and he goes to him, which of these three guys do you think was a neighbour to the man? And our lawyer's probably like, are you for real? Like, are you honestly for real? You've taken me through this whole ridiculous story to ask me this one question, which let's be honest, kind of answers itself, Jesus. Like, are you honestly asking me this? The lawyer's like, um, yeah, the guy, the, uh, the third guy, the Samaritan, Verse 37, he replies, the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him, Jesus. And Jesus says to him, yeah, go away and do likewise. Go and do likewise. Like, again, we've got this picture of Jesus going, like, sending him away. He's, he's sending this guy out knowing that there's no way he's going to be able to do what he's told him to go and do. Go and do likewise. Like, Again, you wouldn't have thought he would have changed the ending to the sentence just a little bit, just to give the guy at least a little bit of hope that he might get there and might be able to do the thing. But then I'm reminded of the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15. And I'm reminded that the son comes up to his father and he says, Dad, I don't want to wait till you're dead to get my inheritance. This guy's got two sons. He goes, I want my half now. Give me the money. I'm out of here. What does the dad do? 
He gives him the money and he lets him go, knowing full well that that boy is never going to be able to find what he's looking for. Still can't find what he's looking for. That would have been a better song to learn on the ukulele. That would have been a great song. Uh, but he gives him the inheritance and he lets him go. He gives him the money and he sends him away. And, we, and again, we've got this like harsh picture of Jesus giving him the money and letting him go. And I'm thinking there must be something that God knows and there must be something that Jesus knows about allowing people to go and chase the stuff that they're never going to find that isn't going to do them any good. But we know from the story of the prodigal son that when the son comes to his senses and all of the money's gone and he's found himself in a mess and he's found himself broke and he's found himself struggling in life and living in a pigsty, literally with the pigs, he returns home. And it says in the story that his father sees him coming from a long way off. And here comes our word again. Luke 15, verse 20. But while he was still a long way off, the father saw him and was filled with compassion. It says he was filled with compassion. We've got to see that both these stories are a reckless view of love towards someone who didn't deserve it. I mean... You know, he wants to show us the picture of the Good Samaritan. When he sees us and we're in our mess, and when he sees us and we're broken, and when he sees us and we're hurting, his whole being, his gut, his, his whole insides are moved with compassion. Then it says in the prodigal son story, the father ran to him and embraced him and kissed him. Verse 21, the son says to the dad, Father, I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Here comes the compassion. I'm no longer worthy. Verse 22, but the father said to the servants, bring the best robe. Bring the best robe. Interesting, I remember in the story of the Good Samaritan, when the guy's beaten and he's robbed from, the first thing the enemy steals from him is his robe. But in the story of the Good Samaritan, in the story of the, the prodigal son, when the son returns home to the father and he repents, the first thing that the father gives to him is a robe. He gives him a robe, but not just any robe. It's the robe that's given to the guest of honour. It's the robe that's given to the most important person at, at, the, at the gathering. It's the finest robe. It's the best robe. There's something happening here, church. There's something happening. When we come back to the Father and we're given a robe, it's not based on our ability to follow any rule book. It's not based on our ability to follow any guidance or any religious system. It's not based on anything. It's not based on the way you speak or the way you act. It's not based on any of those things. The Father says, I'm going to include you. I'm going to love you. And it's not based on anything you could ever do because you couldn't earn it or deserve it. You know, just a couple of weeks before Vicky, my wife and I got married, we um, decided that a fun thing to do one Saturday night would be to jump in the car and go to the hotel where we were about to get married. And we wanted to make our way through the hotel and see our function room that we had for our evening reception. We wanted to see it live with another wedding because we thought that would be funny. We weren't the original wedding crashes, but we come close to the top of the list. So one Saturday night, we got into some semi-respectable clothes and we jumped in the car and drove to the hotel. We made our way through the hotel and we got up to the room. And I remember vividly, there's these two big doors with these big long windows and we're just there and we're looking in and we can see like the DJ doing his thing and like the dance floors all going. And we're like, oh, it looks pretty cool. All the lights are on and the buffet table. And then just as we're looking through on my window, this face appears on the other side of the glass. And I'm like, oh, and then these doors get flung open and this guy goes, come in, 
come in. And we're like, oh, no, 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 no. We're not coming in. He says, come in, come on in. So we're like, okay. He goes, who are you? I was like, what is going on? This guy, I said, I'm Dave and this is Vicky and we get married here in a week. This is Dave and Vicky and they're getting married in a week. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. This guy just like, calm down here, have a coffee or like a sandwich or something. And he goes, help yourself to the buffet table, the bar's over there. If anyone asks you who you know, just say, you know, Jimmy and Joan and uh, I'm the best man and welcome to the... And I'm just like, this is crazy. As I said to Vicky, get me out of here. Like, get me out of here now. And, um, but you know what? God does the same for us. God does exactly the same for us. This son came back and he was given a robe and he was invited in and he was made made a feast for. Verse 23 carries on. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast. If you're a vegetarian, make a massive salad. That was just my bit. But for this son of mine, who was as good as dead. The son of man. Interesting, again, I remember another guy who was as good as dead until the Samaritan found him. And this guy was as good as dead until he returned home to the Father. And we need to see today that the good Samaritan is not you and it's not me, it's Jesus. And that the father and the prodigal son is not you and it's not me, it's Jesus. We've got to see today, I'm the guy at the side of the road. I'm the guy that couldn't protect myself. I'm the one that couldn't defend myself. I'm the one that couldn't figure it out. <laughs> because when Jesus questions this lawyer, the, when, when the lawyer questions Jesus, he does it because he believes he's good. But when the prodigal son returns home to his father, he does it because he realises he's unworthy. And guys, we're not going to see the grace of God in our lives unless we first realise that we are unworthy. This is a perfect picture of Jesus. It's perfect. (laughs) And the more I read this and the more I go through my life, I realise that the best part about Dave is that he's really, really bad. He's, He's really, really good at getting it wrong. He's good at speaking wrong and thinking wrong and acting wrong. The best part about me is that I am unworthy of everything that he gives me. But the Bible tells us this is the hook. The Bible tells us that the grace of God is described as unmerited, unearnable, unattainable favour, which means that if we had to earn it, we couldn't have it. We could never get it. So in answer to our question today, is Jesus still relevant? I honestly think that depends on you. Because if you would view your life through the lens of being pretty self-sufficient, you've got some achievements, you've got a good job, you've got it going on, you know what it is to succeed, and you don't really feel the need for a saviour, then I guess to you, Jesus might not be that relevant. And I might not be able to change your mind on that today, but that's okay, because Jesus said he came for the people who know they need a doctor. He came for the sick. He didn't come for the healthy. But he said, I've come for the ones who recognise that while life, while it's got some good stuff going on, can sometimes feel a little bit lonely, a little bit broken, a little bit like there's a lack. He says, I've come for the ones who don't realise they have it all together. I've come for the ones who sometimes realise that Life's a struggle. 
Life's hard. And if that's you today, and you realise that maybe you've got a God-shaped hole on the inside of you, and no matter what parties you go to, and what friends you hang around with, and what new things you buy, life sometimes just feels a little bit empty, a little bit lonely, a little bit hard, then I would suggest to you that Jesus, who is the same yesterday and today, is as relevant as ever. To you, I would suggest that he's always been relevant. To you, I'd suggest he will always be relevant. And to you, I would say, Jesus is crazy about people who know they need him. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you can take that message and apply it to your life. Also, don't forget to take a moment to subscribe, rate and review this podcast. To get connected or stay more connected to the life of Liverpool One Church and learn how you can join us live, visit liverpoolonechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us and we hope to see you again soon.